You'll do it right to celebrate July 4th by throwing a backyard barbecue. Lowe's does it right, too, with July 4th savings to help get you started. Treat yourself to a new grill and save $50 on a Charbroil Performance 5-Burner Grill, now just $279. And spruce up your landscape before guests arrive and save in-store only with five bags of premium mulch for just $10. Whatever you need to get ready for the holiday, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 710 while supplies last U.S. only. Mulch offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii. They've got a license to talk. Shocking. Positively shocking. And the words are for your ears only. I think you got the point. Welcome to The Words Are Not Enough. On episode number 16 of The Words Are Not Enough, do Henry Cavill's recent comments regarding his desire to play Bond make him a frontrunner for the role? Is Bond 25 headed back to Mother Russia for the film's villains? Does the new Lego Aston Martin come with a James Bond minifigure? All that and more coming your way now. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Well, what is up, everyone? And welcome to The Words Are Not Enough, our James Bond podcast where we're discussing all things Bond from the movies to the news to the comics, what, whatever, really. Anything <laughs> James Bond, we're going to talk about it. I am one of your hosts, Griffin 008 Schiller. And I am Brody 005 Cervelli. I had to remember my 00 for a second there. I know. And, and you know what? The, <laughs> we said this so many times before. The, the double O's mean nothing. It's a gimmick, to be honest. <laughs> it's just it's just something that's just like, oh, this is a James Bond show, so we're going to have uh, code names and, and double O's and, and, and oh, stuff shit, like you're that. You're giving away the game there, Griffin. I know. I'm sorry. What's your double O? Let us know in the comment section below. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take double O anyway, four, though, because I'm, I'm gunning for that position next. Is that what you're going for? Well, I, That's my I promotion. Think we had this, I don't know if we had this conversation last time, but did or why haven't you changed it yet? I don't know. I just do I you think, have to earn it? Do do you have to go through like a series of tasks in order to change your number? I think I'm just gonna wait for 004 to die, and then I'm gonna assume his position. I'm gonna like I'll um, lobby M for um, the transfer. It's a lot of paperwork, right, right. but you know. And this is the real MI6, by the way. We are real MI6 agents. Oh, yeah, we're affiliated, of course. Of course, they're a sponsor (laughs) of the show. This episode is brought to you by MI6, protecting British citizens everywhere. (laughs) Um, I wish we were getting some of that... Am I six months? I, I actually don't think the British government <laughs> would be giving us very much money. Yeah, I was about to say, it's like, oh man, I wish I was getting some of that British government money. Yeah, yeah well, ho, ho. It, no I don't, I don't know how much civil servants. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, anyways, how are you doing on this, uh, what is today, Tuesday? On this lovely Tuesday? Uh, doing all right. There's like storms passing overhead, so you'll have to be mindful if there's any uh, crashing thunder or, yeah. Uh, even the even the there might be a low hum from the, the uh, air conditioning because I I can't figure out a way to turn that off. Um, uh, so uh-huh, uh-huh. it's just something we have to live with. But other than yeah. that, my life's my life's pretty good. How's how about you, Griffin? How you doing? Yeah, it, it's it's going pretty well. Um, I think I've seen Mission Impossible Fallout at least three times Same in here. large yep. format. Um, excellent, excellent. It's just you know it's a movie that keeps on getting better and better. Uh, which, for the, those of you who don't know, that is by far my favorite film of the year. Best movie this summer. Wow. And if you're even remotely a spy fan, uh, I mean, go check it out. You probably have it, already seen it. Is it better than it, Fury Road? <laughs> oh, don't you dare. <laughs> don't you dare go down that path. That's uh. a whole other whole other discussion topic <laughs> that I don't... 
<laughs> I don't even want to dive into. Well, I, I maybe we should delve into it a little Let's bit. Let's set the record straight right now. We'll, we'll do a commentary <laughs> on the status of film Twitter. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> mm. Care to care to um, let the the listeners know your thoughts? Oh my! All, all I'll say is my Twitter my Twitter uh, drafts folder is filled with tweets. That I don't have the balls to send <laughs> calling out film Twitter. <laughs> I want to see this now. I really want to see the, the, all, all of these just like half ass, not half ass, but these like, <laughs> you know, oh, should I send this? Like, is it borderline? Am I going to get shit for this? I would, I mean, I don't think I have enough followers to get shit for it, but I definitely think if it got traction, I would definitely get shit for it. Would you though? I think so. I think it'd be like, just you're discouraging people from, I don't know, talking about movies in a ridiculous way i don't know no, what you're doing is you're encouraging not discouraging encouraging people to have original thoughts there you go that'd be a nice that's a lot of novel idea yes holy crap this that's is not thing. how i thought this conversation well, mostly, was gonna go at okay, first well, i'll say the one thing i will actually say legitimately is that um the only reason i haven't sent any like tweets about film twitter in regards to mission impossible is that i really like the movie and yeah, I don't it's wanna, excellent yeah. and i don't want to come across as though i don't like the movie you know what i mean so right, it's like I, right. I i think the discourse around it is a little hyperbolic but i don't want to call it out and make it come like come across like oh i just hate the movie you know yeah so yeah, yeah it's just Absolutely. not worth engaging in whatsoever which you could say about most Twitter uh, feuds in general. So yeah, I mean, next next thing you know, you're getting fired from Guardians of the Galaxy three for stuff that you said three years ago. That's oh. another to- topic that we don't oh need to get God. into. Welcome but, to our um, Twitter podcast. <laughs> yeah, All the latest news and gossip. About oh Twitter. yes, <laughs> at, but at, more specifically though, film Twitter. We don't we don't touch on that other stuff. Well, it seems like politics Twitter and film Twitter are blurring the lines. More yeah, and more. they're they're starting to cross over. They so, really. Uh, are it's It's a shame oh my yes (laughs) anyways but the reason i bring up fallout is because um you know it's the big tent pole movie of not only the summer but of for like the spy film genre of the the entire year um you know we we do it we do a podcast on james bond but we're also big fans of like you know spy films we did a little discussion me though Spider Dumb is really the big <laughs> summer movie everyone's talking about. Yeah, that's uh, surprisingly that has been the film getting all of the traction. It's been stealing money from Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah. Tom Cruise has actually been reported to have gone over to the the studio heads in charge of uh, the spy who dumped me and, and pleaded for money just yeah. just to get the money back saying listen you this is unfair mm-hmm. we know that your movie was clearly better than ours. Please give us the money. I mean, back. he's trying to get that money back. Otherwise, he's going to be the spy that Paramount dumps, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, he's not going to be their golden boy anymore. Although that's probably not going to be true because he is going to be in Top Gun Two next year, which oh that's God, a Paramount film, that. right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, what a <laughs> James Bond. What a, this what is a, a James Bond podcast. Anyways. Um, <laughs> But going off of uh, the whole spy film thing, a, a few of our stories do deal with Mission Impossible Fallout. So that's mm-hmm. why I bring that up now, and that's why we kind of uh, talked about it at the beginning. But anyways, let's move on to some news. There is actually some Bond news slash rumors that um, 
you know, have come up within the, the, the past few months since our last episode that we're going to discuss in our segment that we call Tomorrow Never Lies. If you want to know what that stands for, go back and listen to the first episode of the show. I'm not going to explain <laughs> it again. Is every episode, this <laughs> we explain it. Yeah, right. I, sh- I really should, but then it would take even more time. Uh, We've already nah, just we like gone on for too long. Anyways. Food. Yeah, so uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. It's now in theaters and it's opening to much critical and commercial acclaim. And one man in particular is being especially praised for his work on the film. Yes, Tom Cruise, but we're referring to Henry Cavill in what could arguably, in my opinion, be his best performance to date. I don't know. How do you feel about that statement? Um... It, I mean, I would say definitely his like his most engaging role I've seen him in in a while. Yeah, sure. for sure. I'm trying to think yeah. of like I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean because ah, it, it's a good performance. I, I don't want to make. It sound I mean, like, it's yeah, yeah. For I mean, it's like at least for me when I talk when I think of his best ones, I think mm. of Napoleon Solo and Man from Uncle, and then I think of this now. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, that's that's beside the point. As many yeah. of you probably know, uh, Cavill was almost cast as Bond in Martin Campbell's 2006 Casino Royale. Royale. Um, Martin Casino Campbell Royal. actually... R- Casino Royal. <laughs> um, Martin Campbell actually really wanted Cavill. He was his top choice, but he eventually lost out to Daniel Craig, and now we have we are living in the end of the Craig era. Yes. So while making the rounds around the press circuit for MI6, ha, puns, um, <laughs> a question regarding... I read regarding- the notes as you were saying, and I was waiting for it. <laughs> oh, you were waiting for me to say it was ha, like that- puns? It was literally yes. that. It was that bit from um, "Keep Me in the Mission Impossible" thing. It was that bit from uh, "Rogue Nation," where like the the music, the notation, where it hits that note where the the assassins will fire their guns. Oh it was my that, God. but with ha puns. <laughs> <laughs> ha puns. No. Uh, <laughs> and then, anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, a question regarding Cavill's future aspirations to play James Bond came up during an interview with Yahoo Movies UK, to which Cavill said the following. I would love to do it, of course. I think Bond would be a really fun role. It's British. It's cool. I think that now that I have my Mission Impossible badge, we can do real stunts and really amp it up as well. Not to say they haven't been doing real stunts. I'm just saying it would be fun for me to actually take what I've learned on this and carry it through to a movie like Bond. I'd love to play a Brit. I don't get to play a Brit very often. So, yes, I would love the opportunity. And if they were to ask, I would say yes. So... With Bond 25 set to release next November, um, mm-hmm. obviously we have all, the main focus is Bond 25, but obviously looming on the horizon, Eon and Co are no doubt having initial discuss- discussions about who they'd like to have as Craig's replacement. Maybe, oh, sure. maybe not in the forefront, but there are definitely talks going on. I would imagine. So the discussion topic of the day. Now we usually save this for the end, but this is what our discussion is going to be on. So it only feels natural to bring it up now when we're talking. about about the topic. So, does Mission Impossible Fallout further prove that Henry Cavill should be the next James Bond, and what are his chances of landing the coveted role? Brody, I'm going to defer to you first for your opinion on the matter. Well, for the first half of that question, I think he'd be a fantastic Bond. I, Absolutely. Um, I, I was, I've actually had a bit of an arc on this, because I originally didn't want him to be Bond. Um, oh, I interesting. Thought, I thought, like, I was like, oh, well, he's He's Superman. He's kind of associated with that role now. And on top of that, I just didn't... He was like, he's so, so massive. I was like, man, I don't really want Bond who's like that big. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just... I don't know. I, and 
I think it was, I was like, oh, well, I don't really know when he's going to take over. All these little things. I was like, yeah, no, I'm, move on. I, I he probably won't be Bond. Right. And then, I, but then I've yeah, I, I saw Man from Uncle, and I was like, mm, yeah, okay, I can see it. I can see it a lot. And then I, again, I saw Mission Impossible, and I was like, okay, fine. You've you've, you've worn me down. I really, <laughs> really do want to see him as Bond, and he'll be like what thirty nine. 40 by the time he's like um, it's time to yeah. actually like sort of it, do it, one right and his his age will probably be better than it was um better for the role than it was when he was initially in consideration absolutely and this really reminds me of like the timothy dalton situation where like they were first yeah. approached him and he was too young but they've sort of kept them on the back of their you know their mind since then he's been right right you look at all his his work like he's done now two spy films it's almost like he's building i mean he clearly has an effect yeah he has an affection for the genre and and i mean especially he was playing a villain in mission impossible fallout spoilers spoilers, sorry for those who haven't seen the film it's literally written on the wall from the second the movie starts so don't really take that um (laughs) to heart too much uh like it's 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 pretty plastered there um but but yeah it's really interesting because in fallout it's like he's playing the villain yet it's just he feels so at home in the genre you know absolutely yeah and i think it'd be really cool to see him again like i i agree it would be cool to see him do a a british role because we haven't really seen much of that from him and i think yeah, I don't know. I, I think it'd just be really, he's really charismatic. I think he's a little bit more charismatic when he's not having to do an accent. And so I yeah, think absolutely. I mean, you go, you go listen to the interviews. I mean, my God, the man is like so full of energy. He just really likes talking to people. He's just mm-hmm. thankful that he's an actor and can make these great films. And that's, I, I mean, it just it makes for great, you know, interactions between uh, the the interviewees and the interviewers. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, not, not that that automatically equals great actor, but I think no, he is no, a decent yeah. actor, and I think he could bring a lot of. Uh, charisma to the role. He'd be the right age. I think preferably he could be a little younger, but I mean, you do what you, you, you do with the cards you've been dealt. Uh, mm-hmm. He's probably the oldest I would go with casting someone fresh, you know, for the role. Um, right. Plus he right. kind of has a Roger Moore thing where he looks a lot younger than he is. Yeah. So, he really does. Yeah. yeah. So I think like you could feasibly cast him and he'd be like, he he's only what, like 10 years younger than Daniel Craig. But he right. looks like at least fifteen to twenty years younger than him. So I don't know. Yeah, I think I think there's like, I, as for his chances, I don't know is the thing because I think I would say. I mean, we still have to get through Bond twenty five. That's the big thing, right? I think it's like, like he's definitely in the conversation, and I definitely think his his manager is probably lobbying for it. Um, absolutely, yeah. I, I, I think. I mean, as anyone's manager would be for a role that, like, prestigious. But, um... For sure. Yeah, I don't know. I I think it's just because... I think it's because of the Superman thing. I think... Not only for the fact that... That is, um... Such a a secondary, iconic role where it's like, okay, we don't want our Bond being associated with a different role. Mm -hmm. Um... Mm -hmm. But on top of that, we... I don't know exactly what DC has... Warner Brothers have in, like, store... For his the, schedule and that's, moving that's forward, the, right, right, and that might be a deterrent. Whereas, like, um, you know, the Eon and Universal and Annapurna, whatever. Yeah, I don't know how you uh, say that name. Uh, but, um, Annapurna. No, but, but yeah, here's yeah. here's they, the thing um, with that though. It's like I I feel like if the decision were left to Cavill, if Cavill had to decide between playing Superman or playing James Bond, 
He, there's no doubt in my mind that he would go with Bond. It just, it just seems to align with his interests, and it's the role that he was, you know, basically had stolen from him from Daniel Craig. So it's clearly <laughs> been in the back of his mind. He's clearly been working towards that. You can see that in stuff like Man from Uncle, Mission Impossible, Fallout. He's doing stunts. He's doing things that he wouldn't normally do. Um, and and like he says in his response. He has done a Mission Impossible film. He's been on set with Tom Cruise. He's done these crazy stunts. It's time to take what he's learned and apply it to another spy franchise and and, and maybe, you know, craft us some of the most memorable action sequences in the Bond franchise, which would be awesome. Oh, absolutely. And I definitely I definitely agree with that. I just think like I can definitely see why maybe I can see the roadblocks. You know what I mean? Well, oh, I there's definitely see, roadblocks. It's just I think and it has nothing to do with like my enthusiasm for the idea because I, I think I was just saying I just watched The Man from Uncle last night and yeah, I yeah. It, like reaffirmed how much because I watched The Man from Uncle and I also watched Fallout again yesterday, um, and yeah I was I was like I need I need this but at the same yeah. time yeah. Like, I I don't know how willing Warner Brothers is gonna be to like say okay you can walk you know what I mean they and haven't made any headway on a man of steel 2 that's the thing I mean li- just yesterday they announced a supergirl movie but nothing for man of steel 2 I mean my my god the man of steel came out in 2013 and we have had no developments on that since then since the movie released and, and as a result he's just kind of been sidelined in the franchise I mean he had a big obviously he had a big role in Batman v Superman he was one of the you know, uh, title characters there, but it wasn't. That was basically a Man of Steel too. In, in terms but, of, like, but I don't, I, I don't think it was though. It will, it wasn't really the, a Man of Steel the, too. But for the stu- in, for the studio, that was a Man of Steel too. That was a sequel mm, to Man of Steel with the same director, maybe. the same I, I mean, crew. I think I can, um, I can see the argument, but it, and then like after Justice League, it, it's like the I don't know what they're doing with him, and it's almost like they're wasting his time. They should be greenlighting these films if they really want to use him. And with a talent right, like this guy, where after under- Fallout, I think he's gonna blow up big time. You know, he's already pretty well known, but I think after Mission Impossible Fallout, he's only gonna go up um, well, right. as far as status. I, I, I think the only thing is that whether or not he's under contract, because whether or not Warner Brothers is using him or not. It right. may just come down to, well, I'm sorry, you're contractually obligated to stay with the franchise, and that may be a deal breaker for Eon. And on top of that, like you see, we've seen similar things happen just with, like, with Fallout. Um, the reason Jeremy Renner wasn't in Fallout was because he had a contractual obligation to, to Marvel, even though he wasn't in, you know, Infinity War. It was just that Marvel said, we're, we're exercising our right to have you under contract, and there was nothing he could do about that. So, yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if Cavill's agent somehow finds a way to break that contract. Or honestly, like, and I mean, it could happen. It could happen in that, like, they may be looking to replace Ben Affleck as well. They may just recast a bunch of the actors. And right. Which you and I were having this conversation. It's like, we would much rather see Cavill as Bond than we would as Superman. As much as we love him as Superman and as, as much as he, like, really owns that role. I would totally, uh, yeah. I would, I would just love to see him as Bond. I think, um, and I think that that just offers him more to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like you can be Daniel Craig has proven you can be Bond and you can do other roles with Superman. It's a little untested, I guess. Is the mm-hmm. only. I mean, Henry Cavill has been doing other stuff, but it's only because they have been making like very, very few Superman movies. Um, and the one time that they did do another movie while doing a Superman movie, it ended up creating Mustache Gate. So, <laughs> which which I will say was a hundred percent worth it. it was a hundred percent worth it. But I mean, like, it's just 
playing Superman has definitely been a a hindrance on him playing other roles. Sure. Uh, So I could definitely see that being a a Bond being more liberating of a role for him. I don't know. I, I, I just love to see him do it, but I, I just have, I have uh, concerns of whether or not it could actually be feasible. Right. I, I hope, I hope it's not, but you know, you never know. No, for sure. So I guess that, that kind of, the second half of that question, percentage-wise, what do you think the chances are of him being offered the role? And what do you think the chances are of him actually going through everything and landing it? Uh, so the, the second question is, if he was offered the role, what were the If he was offered him? the role, what are the chances that he takes it and becomes the next James Bond? If he's offered it, 100%. I you think, think so? Even think with so. like the Warner Brothers stuff? I, well, if he's offered it I th- and, he, and he accepts it, I feel like he wouldn't accept it unless he had something worked out with his agent where he could definitely sure. do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. But as as to whether or not he would be offered it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 40%. I'm going to say 40%. That's pretty... That's you very, th- you that's think he's going to be offered... That's a generous... Really? That's a very generous percentage, I think. I wow. Think that's just, low. It is pretty low, but I think it's just because... It's because of all those other things. It's not because I don't think the Broccolis want him. It's not because he doesn't have a history with the role. Uh, it's not that he doesn't want to do it, obviously. I think it's just... There are so many external factors that like I'm like not confident saying there's a 50-50 chance. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm definitely not comfortable saying there's more than a 50% chance. Um, really? See, I, I actually am on the other side of that. I think there's about a 60% chance they, they offer it to him. I really do. Even I mean, he, uh, I, the, the, I mean, like the he. If you look at it from the, the point of view of like um like a Timothy Dalton situation where he all he basically had the role until Daniel Craig stepped in. Um, right. If you look and if you look at all of the other actors who have been rumored to have been in talks with Eon and stuff like that, Tom Hardy's going to be too old. Michael Fassbender's going to be too old. Idris Elba's going to be too old. All of these. Uh, actors that people are like oh next James Bond next James Bond and they're going to be too old by the time that Bond 26 is is coming around for for casting and, and but production could, and stuff it, like it, that it might end up being a, a Pierce Brosnan in um the living daylight situation where it just doesn't happen because of external factors you know what I mean sure because uh, yeah. Pierce I mean in that instance a lot of similarities Pierce Brosnan was super into the idea of playing Bond he accepted when they offered him the role and mm-hmm. then it still didn't end up happening for another 10 years oh oh right right so, right, right. I, I, I'm not saying that the, the chances that he 100% goes through with it um, are 60 I'm saying there's I, I think there's about a 60% chance that he's at least offered the role but see there's the thing I don't know if they would offer him the role unless they knew they could get him you know what I mean like I think they would be saying we're not going to offer him the role um, because there's so many contractual obligations he's under. Well, I don't know. I think maybe by them offering him the role, that kind of like, you know, they're they're they, they might work around some of those other factors or find ways to make. If they really want him, I have a feeling they could make it happen. But even um, like, but like, like, like you're, the, you're dealing with Warner Brothers, right? Who oh, have, for sure. But like, yeah, they I, have they have him for Superman, but they also have him for their own spy franchise. Uh, in the man from uncle so they're not doing i i i well, don't not, think that movie's getting a sequel but i, I mean, really like, don't but that's the thing if they, if they didn't if they generate enough buzz around him possibly pay, playing bond and then say well no he can't and then make another bond uh, another uncle sequel 
riding off of the coattails of that buzz. I could see mm-hmm. that happening. I could honestly see Warner Brothers like whipping up uh, Henry Cavill buzz and then saying, yeah. you know what? Actually, we're making an Uncle sequel. Sorry. I could see that. I, I just don't think the the first one didn't make nearly enough money. Um, It, it actually surprisingly, review-wise, got fairly middle of the road. Um, right. feedback. I, I just. Think, I mean, it, it was you, positive, you, you but it was like an average buzz, feedback. If you generate enough buzz around Henry Cavill, and now now you've got Army Hammer who has like an Oscar nom under his belt. And, yeah. Um, was he nominated for an Oscar or was it a Golden no, Globe? No, he wasn't. Golden Globe no. was it? Was he nominated? Uh, maybe. I I, I don't yeah. remember. But regardless, he, case, was he was part of Call Me by Your Name. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and so I don't know. I feel like you go with, and then now Alicia Vikander is like blown up as well i feel like if you go back now these all these guys are now like bona fide like movie stars well even if you go back then i mean henry cavill superman army hammer sure i mean he's not like the star he is i wouldn't even call him a star now but i mean he doesn't have the you know track record he has now but he's still fairly notable um and alicia vikander had already done ex machina so like right but i mean you're talking about like a superman movie that half the people didn't like and uh, you know, an indie movie that half people didn't see. Mm-hmm. And so, whereas now it's like, oh, like we know their faces now, and especially like like people didn't know who Henry Cavill was, even though he was playing Superman. And now it's like, oh, Henry Cavill. Like you can say his name, and people sure. will know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. I guess so that's a good point. I think Warner Brothers may want to hold on to him just because of his his newfound star power. Um, not that he has like. Tom Cruise level star power, but no, you know I mean? but he's de- like, yeah, he's yeah, definitely like a, a rising commodity. So, right, I don't right. know. I, that's that's the only reason I'm skeptical. But I would love like, like at the end of all this jargon. At the end of the day, I'd love to see it. I just don't know if that's the gamble that Eon is going to make. They may, and For it sure. may pay off, and I hope it does because I'd love to see it. But like, uh, like it's just there's just so many. There's so many different like like you know gears in motion with him, whereas mm-hmm. with another actor, there may be less sort of uh, contractual like tie-ups. Yeah, understandable. Totally, totally yeah. so. Well, anyways, I, that that is the question of the day, guys. What are what do you think? Do you think that Cavill should be the next James Bond? What are your percentage? Um, what what is the percent chance that he is <laughs> offered that role versus the percent chance that he actually? 100% goes through with it and is able to. Uh, let us know all of your th- thoughts and opinions on that in the comment section below of wherever you are listening slash watching this show. All right, so moving on to our next story here, and we're going to Bond 25. We're not going way off in the future. We're going to the immediate future for... Um, the spy franchise. So, with pre-production on Bond 25 ramping up, the casting net has been thrown open for leading roles in the upcoming film. Several details on the casting notice confirm what we already know, that the film is going to be directed by Danny Boyle, the shooting's going to begin in this December, and then it's going to run for, you know, about six months or so. So, a casting call, a similar casting call, was actually made for Spectre, and it actually revealed the character of Mr. Hinks, whom you all remember was played by Dave Batista. So, mm-hmm. although this time there are no character names in the role descriptions, it appears that Bond 25 will feature a Russian male villain, a Russian female, um, maybe the Bond girl, who knows, and a Maori henchman. Now, this also indicates that the new script by John Hodge is in good shape, because why would they put out casting calls if they weren't going to go with the script? So, I'm going to read off the roles here that the casting calls were um 
you know, sent out for and, and the descriptions that kind of are, are with them. So the male leading role uh, playing age is in between 30s and 60s. The Russian also opened suggestions of actors from the Balkans or similar uh, must speak fluent English and characteristics. This is where it gets really interesting. Charismatic, powerful, innovative, cosmopolitan, <laughs> bright, cold and vindictive. Love all of those words. So for the female role, we've got an actress between the ages of 30 and 45. She's also Russian. They're also open to actresses from the Balkans or similar. Must speak fluent English. Very striking, strong, physical slash fighting slash stage combat skills required. Um, and then characteristics, intelligent, brave, fierce, and charming. She's witty and skillful, a survivor. So that's interesting there. And then for the final supporting role... Um, Male supporting role. We have an actor between the ages of 35 and 55. Maori. Uh, advanced physical fighting stage combat skills required. Obviously, very henchman oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, characteristics are authoritative, cunning, ruthless, and loyal. Hence, the henchman. So, speculation time, Brody. What oh. do you think of these? Uh, you know, the, this casting call. Um, are you excited to see them going back to Mother Russia as um, <laughs> oh as the, the 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 villains uh, kind of spectrum goes? For oh, there's so many things I want to say about this. I don't think I could have been happier with any of the, like, <laughs> like this. Is like if they, if they said like cast a Bond movie you go okay get me a Russian guy get me some like Russian woman who's like a seductress like femme fatale and then get Mm. me a a tough henchman like this is to the T oh my god it's so cool and I also think it's really cool that um like you couldn't have picked a better political moment to do the Russians again Mm -hmm. so I I don't know I think it's really exciting I think that's like we were just talking about this I think um what differentiates Bond from other spies like other spy franchises that are still like sort of active right now is that Uh Bond has this cold war history. Like he has this history with the Russians. He has this history with like, you know, when you think of Bond, you think of him, like he's either fighting the megalomaniac, like supervillain, or he's fighting off like, you know, the KGB. And right now, I don't know if anyone's, you know, read the news, but there's quite a lot going on with Russia. (laughs) So, um, it's, it's really cool that they're just going to lean into that and do something. Cause they, they, well, one, it, one it, thing they've done recently with these Bond films is they've been, they've been somewhat like at least the Sam Mendes films, especially um, they've tried to have their like their finger on the pulse of like sort of uh, like interesting thematic material for Bond. Um, well, I would actually go as far as to say it began with um, Casino Royale and and kind of like oh. being a product of the the time period in which they were made in. I mean, you know? that, I mean that goes all the way back to like yeah, the, the, the books and then of, even, of course you could look at right, Goldeneye, yeah. you could look at. But I think um, in terms of just like having like uh, a thematic subtext you look at you look at, especially at skyfall skyfall is definitely a, a bond film about bond films you know what i mean like it's yeah. a, it's got a meta yeah. text to it and i think the if, if you sort of follow that um that template to its logical conclusion especially if you're getting an oscar you know um winning director like uh danny boyle it's mm-hmm. like okay let's do something a little more um they tried to do this inspector with like the whole surveillance state thing but it didn't exactly work um but you could do something really interesting and political with this like not not, not everyone like like just like clenched up a bit when i said political but like i don't mean like on a soapbox political. I just mean like you can do something that's like very of the times, very of the moment, similar to how they did like uh, drug cartels in like License to Kill, stuff like that. Right, um, right. You could do something really interesting given 
the headlines right now regarding Russia. You could do something really cool that also makes a comment about those things. And yeah. I think that's what we've come to expect from these Bond films at this point, where it's like, like a, a level of... Um, of maturity to the, the storytelling. Like, but these Bond films are still action films, but they sort of have like this, there's a little bit more going on now. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the Daniel Craig era is definitely like sort of doubled down on that. And so I think this is just such a perfect fucking like thing to do. Oh that. yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I, I, I love the idea of it being, I, I don't know. I just like, I think it's really cool that like, cause it sounds like, it sounds like the, the male lead role is a bad guy. Um, sure, absolutely. Because you got the yeah. The, it sounds like he's like a like a like a Russian oligarch or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's, that's exactly like what a, I was getting from it. He's like he's charismatic, he's innovative, cosmopolitan. That's the yeah. word that really sticks out to me. It's like he's like a, he's yeah. like a like a Russian like uh, like Steve Jobs or something like that. Yeah, that's really what I get from that. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Which um, would be really cool because I mean that's like kind of the, the prototypical Bond villain is like you know the right the the, the, well, the you know, like Elon Musk. It's like just like a well, it's exactly. A, it's, well, a, it's a tech guy or something like that who's gone gone rogue. Well, but, and um, and the other the other side of that is that's so unlike previous Russian villains that we've gotten in the past. You know what I'm yes, saying? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's kind of like playing against type while playing into that long history of Bond fighting the Russians. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's like this is like a. Um, no, I totally agree because usually the Russian villains are like you know state operators like you know they're like ex-KGB or, or the very militaristic yeah, except exactly. for like Boris Boris but he wasn't really <laughs> a villain he was a you know kind of a side character yeah and even at the same time you've got in the same movie you've got um, Urimov so it doesn't really matter yeah because um, he's a general but um, yeah so I, I really like that I really like the, I, and then the femme fatale she sounds like uh, on a top, which is awesome. Yeah, um, she did. Like you know, physical does. survival. Yeah, witty, yeah. Like, well, that's the that's the other question. Do you think that that this is going because we uh, a few episodes back we were talking about um, maybe the villain's going to be uh, or, or I'm sorry, maybe the female lead is going to be a villain or or the Bond villain is going to be a female or something like that. This yes, looks yeah. like maybe that, maybe not. Um, do you think that the the Bond girl this time around is going to be a femme fatale or do you think that she's going to be a Bond girl, do you, and think, this role in particular. Well, I think like when you look at the Bond girls, there are two like sort of archetypical Bond girls, and that you can usually have like. Well, also, there's three. There's three archetypical Bond girls. There's the Bond girl, like the one we think of, like the the the, the heroine, you know. Um, sure. Then you have the femme fatale. Think people people like um, like uh, uh, Volpe and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or, or on a top since we just talked about her yeah, and then you yeah. have like the sacrificial lamb so like people like um, uh, Vesper oh, why can I think of it well not Vesper Vesper was more of a main girl but like people like um, she's, well, she's like the ma- in oh, oh you mean by, by the sacrificial lamb you mean literally just the someone Bond girl that dies die. someone yeah, who's there to yeah, die okay. essentially yeah and those are like I mean and that's not to say you can't have more complex Bond girls than that because you have people like Vesper you have people like Tracy who are right, more complicated right. characters but um I mean, like, and not just those two, those are the two that everyone always go to, but you can always, you know, you can talk about um, Natalia as well, who's a really interesting character. Mm-hmm. Um, very, but, very much on a golden eye kick today. <laughs> we are, right? I feel like I'm going to have to watch it tonight. But, yeah, um, for real. It's so good, though. It's so it, it's good. It's great. It's so but, great. Um, yeah, I, I, so I feel like this could easily fall into that kind of role, or 
it, we could be misreading this, and it, it could just be because of the order that they're listed in. Uh-huh. I, I could just be thinking male lead, female lead, henchman, just because of the order. Well, it could be that she's yeah. the head, and that he's another like supporting villain. You know, yeah, that, that was going to be my next thing. It. Do you think that it yeah. could be like a a do a, a two villain type thing? Maybe they're brother and sister. I don't know. Those are just things I'm drawing <laughs> from this. Maybe they're br- brother and sister. I think combo the Bond is- films are not going to they're not going to touch uh, sibling rivalries at any time soon. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah. No. It, it's very true that the female actually may be the lead villain, and then the male is like uh, the the co villain or the yeah. second in command or something like that. The and then we go down to the henchman, which is very much like you were saying, Mr. Uh, was it Kill from... Mr. Kill uh, from Die Another Day. Die Another yeah. Day. That's literally <laughs> what we both thought of. Oh, man. Which was a little more compelling than Mr. Kill, but... Oh, um, please. Yes. It'd be really... I mean, his... Uh, yeah, he's got... It's interesting that he has authoritative as one of his characteristics. Because yeah. I mean, henchmen are usually... like They're very subservient. Um, which you have loyal there as well, which makes right. me think henchmen. But, um, well, I mean, I, I wouldn't look too much into that. I, I think it's more so just like he has a physical presence. That's I mean, kind of what sure, I get I could from be that. that. But I mean, I mean, you never know. I um, I, I mean, this is, this is all we really have to go off of, you know? So it might be... It, it is interesting that the two... The male and the female seem to be closer linked just because they both seem to be Russian or, mm-hmm. you know, Baltic. Um, yeah. Whereas he's just um, Maori, which is, I guess, just, I don't know, because Maori, some Maori guys are very large and imposing. <laughs> Dude, what, <laughs> what if they get, but, what if they get Django Fett? Oh my God. If you I, old, I always forget his name. Um, I forget I, his name too. I'm going to look it up, but what if they got him? I don't think he fits into the age range, does he? He might. Oh, he, might oh, like oh, he definitely does. Um, let me see. The, the it's weird that the henchman. Hey, the, the, we're, we're just guessing that he's a henchman. It's because he's a supporting role as well. But um, <laughs> uh, 55 is a really old henchman. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. Oh, yes, that's what it is. Uh, Tamora M- Morrison. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that'd be really cool, though. I, I, um, I don't know. Yeah, I just... He, I I don't know. For me personally, he's I, first of all. I love his voice. If he, I uh-huh. I love his voice from like the Attack of the Clones and like the other you know stuff he's done in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> um, he's fifty seven, so he is a little older. That's fine. That's that's pretty much. But he's still kind of in there. <laughs> Absolutely. That's well, that's my pick. Tamora Morrison for the henchman in Bond twenty five. <laughs> well, you know who else. <laughs> uh, kind of fits the bill on that one. It's the Rock. Who the Rock? Oh kind of fits the bill no! On that one. He would take the no. Like the problem but, would know, be that he would take it away. He would take like the scenes away. Oh, from for sure. I'm just else. saying he he does fit that that like he's got. He like, does. I think he has like Polynesian in him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think he's within the age range. And he's definitely authoritative, and he's definitely got <laughs> stage fighting experience. Could you imagine Daniel think, Craig's James Bond taking on The Rock? I would kind of love that, though. It's kind of like it's oh, so ridiculous man. that I kind of love it. And I think like yeah. it's so he's he's expressed interest in being like a Bond villain before. Has he really? Uh, I oh yeah. wow. Well, his his um his father was in um You Only Live Twice. Mm. He was uh, the one henchman that kidnaps Bond and takes him to um, the uh, what's the name of that company from that movie? Fuck, 
Oh, um, you know what? I, I, you know, I vaguely remember hearing that story before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Takes him to the building anyway. I, 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 I kill myself. I can't. <laughs> well, you only live twice, <laughs> so extreme. you might as well use one um, life now. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can't remember the name of the guy inside um, the, the building. Um, I want to keep wanting to say Nakatomi, but that's diehard. But um. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I keep wanting to say the one from Austin Powers Gold Member. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> There's only three Japanese companies in the uh, oh my in god the world. But um, anyway, Roboto yeah. Industries or whatever the fuck it is. In that <laughs> <laughs> it's not like Tanaki, is it? That I that might be right. Tonight I don't fucking know. Look Let us up. know. This is this is just really funny, but. <laughs> <laughs> um Jesus anyways Christ. though any last minute uh thoughts on the casting call for 25 uh n- other than i just i'm really impressed i think this is really cool i think there's a lot of potential if you're not going to keep doing um blofeld specter stuff uh this is the direction i would love to take it in like just go straight into like finger on the pulse of like you know rip from the headlines that kind of thing yeah yeah it's always sure. been and bringing bond back to his like espionage roots it would be such a missed opportunity to sort of like, since the Russians are kind of in the news again, to like just sort of say, yeah, we know what, we're not gonna do that. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, like, for sure. I'm, I'm not too sure that. <laughs> I don't think they were too worried about the Russian box office. So, um, <laughs> and if anything, getting a Russian actor in it may actually boost the Russian box office. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who knows, um, man? It could a whole oh, whole bunch of stuff. It was Osado. It's Osado. Osado. Industries. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. There Osado we go. Chemicals. That's the one. God yes. Damn it. Yes. Yeah. But anyways, um, um yeah, it's very exciting <laughs> stuff to get, you know, pretty enthusiastic about speculation. Um, it's always fun, you know, if it's the of, rock, if it is the rock, you heard it here first. <laughs> there you go. And if it's tomorrow Morrison, then you heard it here first. Um, That's very true. Probably so. more likely to be Brody's choice than mine. But anyways, <laughs> moving on. So we've got some more twenty Bond twenty five uh, updates here for you. So um, I don't I don't know if this was recent news or whether it was like a couple weeks ago. But regardless, uh, Bond twenty five for a while. So right, yeah, for sure. So uh, Bond twenty five is going to have a new production designer um, in charge of the art department. So Mark Tildesley, a frequent collaborator with Danny Boyle, will be charged with designing the film's look. So. So the pair have worked together previously on uh, six films, I believe, including 28 Days Later, Sunshine, and uh, T2 Train Spotting, which I have not seen, but I've heard is very good. So mm-hmm. it's, great. it's interesting um, because Dennis Gassner, who was expected to work on the film, had started uh, preliminary work on a script by Neil Purvis and Robert Wade. Obviously, that script kind of got thrown aside. Aside, uh, but uh, Gassner took over from retiring production designer Peter Lamont after Casino Royale and took charge of the art department on the last three Daniel Craig outings. But it looks like his tenure as the head of the art department, the production designer, has uh, uh, come to a close, and we are now going to have Mark Tildesley. Little update here, nothing too crazy. It's probably good that Danny Boyle is going to be working with someone that he's familiar with, a mm-hmm. frequent collaborator. That's always a good sign, even if it does mean a passing of the torch. But uh, Brody, what what are your quick thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think my biggest takeaway from this is that they're, they're just like completely getting some fresh blood, uh, which is really, really great to hear. Like you said, it's really cool that he's working with someone he's familiar with. 
Um, mm-hmm. I've really mm-hmm. liked the production design in the last couple Bond films. Oh, absolutely. Um, especially the last two. Like, like Skyfall and Spectre especially gorgeous. Mm. I still think Quantum of Solace has some pretty striking, like even like that the, the, the big opera set I think is pretty cool. And That's uh, a good one. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, so I think there's, a, there's some pretty striking images in the those last three, but it is nice that he's getting someone he's familiar with and it is, it's all, I, I won't say it's always good news to get fresh blood, but it's never like, that's never the problem, you know what I mean? It's never like, well, no. you know, he didn't, he wasn't fresh enough, you know, um, or he wasn't like, you know, not fresh enough or whatever I'm trying to say. But yeah, um, yeah I, I think he's also got an impressive resume um, on his own. So yeah, bring it on. I'm, I'm excited. I, I think hopefully uh, bringing someone in who's not so much related to the, the Bond family mm-hmm. uh, might actually be really interesting just because a lot of people, it, like, yeah. like people like Peter Lamont um, especially, uh, was like he's been involved with, he had been involved with Bond films for Years. He was back, like he worked with um, Ken Adams way back. So he was kind of so close to that Bond aesthetic that I don't know if he fully ever. I mean, not, not I'm, I'm not trashing Peter Lamont. He's a fantastic production designer. But mm-hmm. um, he was so close to the franchise that I don't think his style was ever influenced by just how much the Bond franchise influenced production design in general. You know what I mean? Just because he yeah, was basically yeah. part of that, that, that influence in the first place. Uh, so getting someone who's like maybe not so much part of the Bond film, seeing how they would design a Bond film would be really cool because it may actually, it may harken back to some of the older aesthetic in a way that we're not expecting. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you tell, if you tell anyone right now, if I told you design a Bond film, you're going to look back at Ken Adams sets and go, okay, well, I'm going to make my version of that. You know what well, I mean? Absolutely. Or yeah, I'm going to make yeah. my own Peter Lamont set. And well, and, and and you know, it, on the the other side of that, maybe he'll he'll come in with a completely new aesthetic I mean, that maybe. they yeah, came yeah, up no. with, in because case, like you get a yeah. different perspective in there. You get someone who's working, who's you know, has For worked sure. with the director in the past. They they understand each other. Um, but even like to, like, but I think even taking that further, you just say, "Design me a spy film set," and sure, you're going to having not been so close to that original like sort of school of thought in design you may end up drawing inspiration from it in, in unique ways that maybe the people involved with it probably hadn't thought of. Just yeah, because, I agree. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I, I think this is just really exciting. I, I don't know. I think I'm I'm 100% on board with this. And production design is such a huge part of these, like, um, like especially with like when it comes to, like, you know, the villain's lair and that sort of thing. Like, uh-huh. there's uh-huh. a lot of really cool opportunities to do some uh, interesting visual stuff. So bring it yeah. on. For sure. I completely agree. So moving on to our final news topic today, uh, and it has to do with a brother from Langley. <laughs> you see what I did there? Uh, Finally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as all, as is always the case during the uh, early stages of production on these films, the rumor mill is running rampant, and this time the speculation is on Jeffrey Wright's return as CIA agent Felix Leiter. So during a uh, AMA session on Reddit, Wright was asked, any word on the next Bond? Have you been approached? You're a fantastic Felix, which I agree with that statement. Mm-hmm. And then Wright just kind of you know played it off saying, it's possible. Thanks. And that's that really too. all we have to go off of. Um, you know, it should be noted that uh, uh, Wright has played Felix in um, Casino Royale, Quantum, 
Um, and I believe he was mentioned in Spectre. So yes, it, yeah. it would be really Number nice to see him make the return. Uh, probably what I would imagine would be his his final return as the character in Daniel Craig's final outing. I've always enjoyed uh, both of their interactions. They've, they've had a, a mutual professional respect for one another, which I, I think is what I like about this iteration of Felix and Bond as a Opposed to you know you know some of the earlier outings where it's they're a little bit more chummy. Um, yeah. In this one, it feels more professional and, and real. And one of the scenes that I, I think is one of my favorite Jeffrey Wright scenes in the entire franchise, and we were talking about this recently, is in Quantum of Solace that bar scene. Yeah, it's like you got thirty so seconds. Good. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like that is that Congrats. right there is just like the pinnacle of their relationship. I, I think. love it. Yeah, yeah. And as a thing, I think I would love like Felix is one of the only relationships relationships like one of bond's only relationships that hasn't been fully explored yet in these um new films like they definitely mm-hmm, they definitely mm-hmm. set the groundwork in casino Royale and in quantum of solace but yeah. then you get like skyfall was an in-depth like sort of uh exploration of his relationship with m and with yeah. money penny and with q and then you get the new m and like so you were sort of re-establishing all these characters and tanner and all this sort of thing and so it'd be really cool to then finally get felix back and say okay we're gonna really put our flag in the ground. This is what Bond and Felix are like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And really, well, especially if that. you're dealing with Russians, getting an exactly. American angle in there would be really interesting. That would be so much fun. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. 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 Oh, that would just, <laughs> yeah, that would, it would turn into an SNL skit, but, um, <laughs> get Alec Baldwin in. But, oh um, my God. <laughs> But, he's, um, he's swapping franchises. He he yeah. gets uh, out of Mission Impossible Fallout. He's now in the Bond. Oh yeah. my god! But they, but they do it like um, do it like Kingsman. Like uh, just do the back of his head where he's wearing the wig, and he's doing the hand <laughs> gestures. And it's like they play it coy. Like I wonder who he's playing. <laughs> oh my god! I love this. Like it's <laughs> all right, Mister Valentine. Let me hear you. <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. That was ge- that was brilliant. That was so funny. Oh my god! But yeah, no. So I think. Um, I would love to see him in that. They, he was in a really early draft of Spectre, um, in like a fairly major role. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's definitely, it's definitely on their minds is the thing. Like they're definitely thinking about using Felix Well, again. plus so. with, you know, Jeffrey Wright, who has just been unbelievable in Westworld. I mean, I really think that he has started to be, get uh, more, more notoriety and, and traction, tr- traction yeah. just as an actor. Because I mean, his, his performances in Westworld from episode after episode have just been Unbelievable. I mean, he is a hundred percent worthy of that Emmy nomination that he got, I believe. Um, and he should rightfully win it. Especially there are like two episodes in particular I could think of where boom, that's your Emmy Award winning performance right there. Um mm-hmm. so so with that, you know, he's now in, in the eyes of more people bringing him back on. That could be, you know, a nice little draw for some audience members. A hundred percent. Yeah, I think like capitalizing on his star power would be a really, really um a wise decision because yeah yeah i mean yeah i don't know i just, i just think it'd be a, a no-brainer to at least bring yeah. him back for one more and let him and craig sort of tap out of the roles respectively yeah. you know what i mean and yeah then I get agree. a new bond yeah. and a new felix for the next one but um yeah no i mean i'm all for it 100 percent. i hope i hope he's in it but i hope they um yeah, they actually, I didn't, hadn't even thought of the fact that they're getting a Russian villain and using the CIA yeah. would be a no-brainer. I would be very, very surprised if he's not in the film just based off of the the that, villains yeah. alone, you know? 
Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that is going to do it. Those are all the news topics for tomorrow. Never lies. Be sure to let us know all your thoughts and opinions on the topics we discussed during this segment in the comments section below of wherever you are listening slash watching this show. And with that, we are going to move on to Q Branch. Q Branch is where we discuss all the other happenings in the world of Bond, whether it be comics, novels, video games, or in this case, Legos, which we'll get to it a little bit later oh on. But uh, Brody usually takes hold of this uh, as segment and, and guides us along. So Brody, what do we got in Q Branch? Well, in Q Branch, we got a couple of really interesting things. Uh, we'll get to Lego in a second. But first, we're going to start off with a, a little interesting tidbit um, that sort of popped up on uh, the BBC website recently. And it was about um, a Bond film that Sean Connery co-wrote. Ah, um, yes, <laughs> yes. And so this, and this always this this brings us back to uh, my favorite person, uh, Mr. Kevin McClory, who we've uh, <laughs> talked about before on the show. Who's a real, real piece of shit. But, um, <laughs> but real basically, just peachy guy, you know. <laughs> absolutely. But basically, um, the the deal with him is that uh, he and Ian Fleming. Uh, co-wrote a a bond film way back when the books before the films were a thing back when the books were still a thing and um it was thunderbolt uh essentially but they, they got to right. a point where they just didn't want to write it anymore or Ian Fleming didn't want to do it anymore and so they they dropped he dropped out and he said we're not doing it anymore and then he adapted that screenplay into a book and Kevin McClory got pissed off and said well I want you know the rights to that and so essentially what they did was um, he sued him and there was an ongoing legal battle um, which eventually resulted in him getting the rights to produce the film and then after 10 years the rights to remake it as many times as he wants <laughs> so um, then you get you cut, flash forward to um, 1975 which is 10 years after the uh, after Thunderbolt comes out and he's like well I'm going to start making my own <laughs> and so he announces he's going to do one <laughs> He's going to call it uh, James Bond of the Secret Service. Uh, it, the title eventually gets changed to Warhead, but the, the concept essentially was to loosely remake Thunderball, but then also just bring in his own elements. And so he brought in um, a screenwriter, Len Dayton, and also um, Sean Connery yeah, to yeah. Uh, co-write this script with him. Uh, and mainly, Sean Connery really wasn't much of a writer, uh, but he basically just wanted to bring him on board as like as a big fuck you to the to the uh, to broccoli and Saltzman. So he's like, you know what? I'm gonna bring him in. We're gonna co-write this thing. Uh, doesn't really matter how much he actually contributes to it, uh, and it's really debatable how much he actually did contribute to it. But um, yeah, it, it's it's just the most ridiculous sounding script I have ever heard. Uh, so basically, it follows the similar a similar sort of plot. To Thunderbolt at first, but then it starts to diverge in like weird, like sort of self-parody ways. Um, there's a a, a uh, leading woman named Justine Lovesit. Oh God! <laughs> and there's a line apparently. <laughs> apparently, she introduces her. Or she's introduced to Bond at one point, and like introduced as Justine Lovesit, and then Bond's retort is she does, <laughs> which is ridiculous. There's also a, a wonderful scene in which Bond is having sex with a woman named Fatima Blush, who actually ends up in, uh, she she was actually uh, in uh, Never Say Never Again eventually. Uh -huh. They use that character. She's basically a um, Fiona Volpe clone. 
Um, but far more sex crazed. Um, far more sex crazed. In any case, she's having sex with Bond um, while Bond's cleaning, cleaning lady named Effie who's also a Spectre agent, is hiding oh under the God. bed while they're having sex. This sounds like something out of Austin Powers. Like This really does. <laughs> but essentially, anyway, um, the, fi- the, 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 real, the real gem of this script is the climax, which actually takes place in New York City. Um, <laughs> I'm not making this up. It wow. takes place in New York City in the sewers in which Bond has to um, wrestle mechanical sharks... <laughs> in the sewers before paragliding to the head of the Statue of Liberty and fighting out with goons. And the script says verbatim, blood trickles down the cheek of the Statue of Liberty like a tear. <laughs> it is... Um, oh my God, that's there, priceless. There are also like some... Like, so like basically the reason this end, never ended up happening is because a lot of the script's components were very reminiscent of The Spy Who Loved Me, which mm-hmm. was being made around the same time, um, including a, an underwater base, which um, was descri- in Dayton's description was a gigantic white futuristic tubular structure risen out of the ocean, um, which sounds a lot like um, the you know, Atlantis from... Uh, from the spy who loved me so that basically and then a couple of other similarities caused a big a big litigation issue basically eon sued them and then they countersued and eventually they just withdrew the the script because paramount didn't really care that much about it and so they backed down and uh it never happened he tried again to make um warhead 2000 in the 90s (laughs) Um, Warhead 2000 which is just oh my god but that never ended up happening because he ended up just dying so um, I just I think my favorite part about him as a person is just the sheer amount of times he tried to remake Thunderball like it's just it's absolutely asinine I just it like (laughs) it like consumed his life he's a really interesting character person I should say uh, just because it like it basically that was the one thing he just dedicated the rest of his life to. Which, yeah. Like, he was making this, this stupid fucking Warhead script right it's up like until a, he died. Like, uh, it's like, dude, let it go. It's, it's like a breakup he never got over. <laughs> yeah, for real, though. And it's like, um, yeah, it's kind of shocking. But, um, yeah, so that's like that's the really interesting. It's really, like, like, Sean isn't too involved in this. It's just that, like, he was sort of attached to it, and that's kind of the point of interest. Sure, yeah. I feel like the most interesting part of this is the the robot sharks. That's, that's like that's like like sharks that with is... laser beams attached to their head. Like that's like sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their freaking head. It's, <laughs> it's fucking nuts. Oh my god, that that is what Aust- the next Austin Powers should be <laughs> the next Austin Powers should literally be them trying to make Warhead but like in, in the most parody way possible it should just be called Warhead just call it that just call it Warhead Austin Powers 2000. Warhead <laughs> Mike Myers come out of retirement wherever you are please just come back and give us Austin Powers 4 we need it <laughs> more please. than you know <laughs> oh my god that anyway. is the most outrageous story I have heard. Uh, I, <laughs> oh my! So got another, another little interesting article now. Um, moving away from uh, good friend 
friend of the show, Clevin, Kevin McClory. Yes, um, close personal friend of the God, show. I would hate to be close to It's all he would talk about is Thunderball. It'd just be Thunderball. Non-stop. Yeah, it's like, hey, God you, have, damn you, have it. you seen that movie? I'm going to remake it. Have you seen that movie? <laughs> <laughs> I helped write that movie. Oh, but, and speaking of this, did you see that I, I, I didn't put this in the show notes mainly because I didn't really think it was that pertinent to anything but um yeah 67 casino royale and um never say never again are, are apparent there's like been some sort of development in the whole like rights dispute with those really no i haven't yeah there i i i vaguely we'll probably talk about it after the show but uh, there like I, I i think there's there's come to like there's uh, they've come to a settlement or something like that and the right people are gonna get paid whatever okay interesting huh yeah very strange. So, anyways, off the beaten path for that one, but yeah, no worries. Um, anyway, jumping back in, we got um another another close personal friend of the show, which is Dynamite Comics. Who seems oh to have- yes, we have been singing <laughs> their praises. Just I love them. I love what they're doing with the Bond stuff. Which absolutely. Uh, another yeah. off-topic question before we dive into this: oh, yeah. Have have you picked up the uh, the Casino Royale? Graphic novel. I haven't yet. No, because I've been in the, I've been in the process. Of, I was gonna buy it uh, the beginning of the summer, and. Now it's just been, I've been in the process of moving in, so it's just like, I'm not in yeah. any comic book store, so I haven't Do, really picked it up. Yeah, I, I I came really, really close, but I read a few pages um while I was in the comic shop. Oh, it's so good. Is it really? It's, uh, it's excellent. Yeah, yeah, it's I, really, I mean, really good. I had no doubts, but um they've, they've been pumping out just incredible stuff. But, sure, um, yeah, absolutely. And hopefully this is a uh, another example of that. So they have a, they're coming back this November with another six-issue series by writer Greg Park and artist Mark Lamming. Um, this time, it will uh, basically center around Bond facing a new adversary who bears a striking resemblance to a uh, famed henchman from uh, from Goldfinger, which is Oddjob, uh, right down to the fact that he's sporting his own little razor-sharp uh, bowler hat mm-hmm. and an intense, quote-unquote, uh, intense fighting style. So... Um, but don't be alarmed. This atten- this uh, connection seems to be intentional. As um, not I said Park before. It's actually Pack. Um, Pack has stated that uh, this connection is very intentional, and he actually cited exploring Odd Job as a character as one of his like first ideas when he was approached to do this comic. Interesting. So they actually haven't. They they said they have. They're going to reveal the connection between this character and Odd Job. I, I wouldn't Somewhere be surprised the if they're like issues. brothers or something like that. That's probably what it's going to be. Brothers yeah. or cousins or something. Something like um, that, yeah. Maybe maybe they they were raised by the same father for like a, two winters or something like that. Right. <laughs> and then one of them died on a, a, a hiking accident or whatever. Exactly, yeah. Something, <laughs> something like that. Right, but in, right, right. In any case, um, on the dynamic between uh, Bond and his new foe, Pac had this to say. Um, Each of them challenges the other in ways... That they've never been challenged before. Whereas Bond is sleek, stylish, coolly detached. His rival is big, loud, and unpredictable. Uh, coming up with the fun twists and the turns and the crazy toys and all, all just icing on the cake, there has to be an emotional core to the character hook. And I think that's a really good sign that they're thinking about yeah, character yeah. in general. Um, moreover, in regards to the art, he talked about his uh, collaborator, Mark Lamming, and said the following... Um, it's a really special skill for a comic artist to draw people in civilian clothes and still make them look uh, badass and stylish and fun. Um, you need an artist who can draw remarkably uh, everyday people in hand-to-hand combat, and 
make that as thrilling as any superhero battle you'll find. Uh, I think he's going to tear it up, which is a really great endorsement of Mr. Yeah. Lamming, who yeah. uh, has then said um, later in the interview, it's a very long interview, uh, but he basically talked a bit about how his um, his own personal history with the franchise, and he said that his, um, his father apparently woke him up to watch Dr. No on television as a child, and also... They read the books together, the uh, the, the the Fleming books in. Paper oh, that's Day, so cool! Which is really cool. So yeah, I, I, yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, what aesthetic sort of um, he brings to right. the comic. Right, um, right. And he had a little nice little quote as well. He said, uh, "It's nice to do something grounded with real bodies moving in realistic ways." Um, there's a big fight in a very confined space at the beginning of at the end of issue one that's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of chaos i get used Mm -hmm. to the i get used to a lot of environments uh hmm, sorry this last quote um i get used to a lot of the environment to make it interesting it's very bond so there you go by that um we will find out in issue one, yep. which comes out in November, there wasn't a date, but I guess it'll come. They'll, they'll release a date closer to. November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll 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 get more stuff on that. But I I, I yeah. mean the the dynamite lines have. I mean we say this every episode, but they've just been dynamite. Um, <laughs> you know, like from mm. when when I first started like reading on with like like uh, uh Varger and the other one, the one written by Warren Ellis. I, I, mm-hmm. I both both of which I, I think there were there were like a few uh volumes written by Warren Ellis, which is one of the greatest uh, comic book. writers writers working today really ever um that absolutely, absolutely loved yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and, and and i mean they've just been they've continued to knock it out of the park i i have not um delved into the body too much yet but just kind of like the concept of that has been really really good and, and they're they're telling these offshoot bond stories that we probably would not get um otherwise absolutely, you know so yeah, it, it, it's almost like a, a modern adaption of and we and we've said this before too. It, it's like Fleming's work, um, being adapted for a modern obvi- audience. Only they're telling new stories, so it's like stuff we haven't seen before. So it's like for for fans of the more literary Bond or or who want to see him do other stuff or or really like that um, you know, like sixties aesthetic and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that like there you go. Kind of thing yeah, and yeah. and I I think the thing I really like about this is uh the kind of like parallel to Odd Job because I mean in in Goldfinger I mean he really was like just the henchman he was the guy with the hat and that was his gimmick and he was just big he didn't say a whole lot um there was a great showdown inside Fort Knox but like that was ultimately it he was just a physical formidable presence and so in mm-hmm. this it looks like they're trying to kind of retroactively develop odd job by developing you know like a relative of his who shared like a close bond with him no mm. pun intended but um <laughs> I'm just all all sorts of puns today man <laughs> um, killing the game <laughs> yeah but what really got me excited is is the showdown at the end of um uh issue one it sounds like it's it's gonna be um pretty action intensive um, but intense. you'll have yeah. your nice like character dynamics and stuff thrown in there too. But mm-hmm. I, I'm all on board, really. I I am every time they announce a new line. Although I'm, if I'm not mistaken, there is a like an origin comic line coming out that I'm really not too big a fan of, especially after we've gotten Forever in a Day, which is already like an origin of the origin of James Bond. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel we need to get away from the origin, so I'm just kind of like delve into some of. I completely agree. Yeah. His Actually, other arcs. Or make an amendment, real quick. I meant to, I, that last little quote that I, my, the last part of the quote that I kind of butchered. Yeah, he yeah. says, 
I get to use a lot of the environment to make it interesting. Mm. So that actually that so okay, it's going to be a very chaotic like you like throw the kitchen sink at him kind of fight, which sounds good. good. That's well, <laughs> and, and, I mean that's and that's like some of the stuff I love about the Craig films are just the raw brutality of the fights um, mm-hmm. about having to utilize. I mean, especially to some of the ones in Quantum, which. Sure, you could say they're ripping off Born, very Born inspired for sure. But I, regardless, I always love in, you know, the these one on one showdowns where they're forced to use the environment. They don't have any weapons on them. They're forced to be resourceful, think outside the box, and really use their um their Absolutely. wit and intellect. I don't think that's very. I don't think that's like riffing off of Born. That's been kind of. Like, well, I, at, I mean, the, the way in which it plays out is very reminiscent to like a the that apartment fight scene in well, yeah, the, uh, the born identity is very, yeah, yeah is very born yeah i will agree with that but in general but, i don't think like necessarily i think it's more the shaky cam if anything that sort of yeah yeah um, yeah oh all those I, comparisons yeah no, no no absolutely i i should mention um i'm still working my way through it but i uh, forever in a day i have read the first chapter, maybe the first couple chapters, and and I really like it so far. Um, so I'm hoping that whenever we get a next episode out, I'll be able to um, give like a full review on there. Maybe you'll mm-hmm. have read it by that point. Who knows? But I was able to get a copy, um, even though it hasn't <laughs> released in the United States yet. So yeah, but but so far so good. I I, I am a fan of what's going on there. Hell yeah, that sounds great. I'll to, I mean, I'll also check it out when I have like a, a, a permanent address again. Yeah, um, for sure, for sure. But anyway, moving on from that, uh, little sounds fantastic. We have one little piece, extra piece. Uh, funny that several pieces. Piece. <laughs> yeah, as I say, like up to up to one hundred and fifty-seven pieces. Um, <laughs> probably more than that. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, there is. Uh, you've probably heard about this by now, but there is a, uh, a James Bond Lego set that they're working on, mm-hmm. um, which is basically a DB5, a, a very large DB5 with functioning um, uh, plates, like rotating plates, an ejector seat, all the, you know, all the works. Got some missiles in there too. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Just the the whole, the whole shebang. Yeah, And so, um, well, as Q would say, like all the usual refinements. um, (laughs) The usual refinements. um, Essentially, um, it's it came out like uh, end of July eighteenth. Well, that's not really the end, but still. Um, well, I mean, they've been teasing it for a while up until the release. Been. I mean, I remember yeah. when we got that first little video from Lego. I was like, "Holy shit! Does this I mean we're getting shit. a James Bond minifigure?" <laughs> I'm so disappointed that it doesn't include that. I know, um, I know. That was the real bummer, to be honest. Maybe that's the next step. That's the next step after this. But in any case, yeah, this came out yeah. on the eighteenth, um, and it retails for. £129.99. Ooh! Um, I don't know how much that is in dollars, but it's probably not a lot. It's probably, it's probably a lot. Um, yeah. Probably not cheap. But, um, yeah, so what are, you, what are your thoughts on this, essentially? Um, <laughs> it's about damn time, to be honest. Um, I, I, I mean, I can't even tell you the younger me would have eaten this thing all up. Oh, Although, absolutely. to be fair, I probably would have... 
if <laughs> I probably wouldn't have gotten this set because it didn't come with the the minifigures and such like that. And yeah. I always, whenever I would break open Legos, I would always play with the minifigures and not build the sets, and then like <laughs> have my dad build the sets for me, and then I'd be like, oh, cool, now I can use this to play with the minifigures. <laughs> so, like, That's like, I was basically like, a toy, <laughs> basically, exactly. Like I, I exactly, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I wouldn't do that all the times, but like, um, right, yeah. but I was always like a big fan of the minifigures just because like those were the characters in my mind and I was like just creating mm-hmm. scenarios for them especially with the the Star Wars ones and stuff but but I love this because this is like something that you could display um somewhere it, it's definitely more along the lines of like like for older uh fans of the franchise or just older Lego lovers um as ridiculous as that sounds but um <laughs> it, it's one of like the creators the Lego creators uh series so that's right. um I was really hoping it was gonna be like um remember when they did that one off um like Back to the Future DeLorean? Oh my god. Yes. Yeah. I was hoping it was gonna be like that, where you get yeah. the figure yeah. and you get it's a little scale, but I guess not. But Yeah, um, I, I, I do I have to admit I was a little disappointed. Um mm-hmm. more than disappointed that there was no like minifigure, especially like uh like a James Bond from Gold Goldfinger. Like the classic yeah. like him, you know, like up against the Aston Martin on the, the side of the, the cliffs in Austria or, or wherever. Is that was it Austria? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, anyways, I, I mean, like yeah. just, like, iconic stuff like that. Like, I would have killed to have just gotten that Sean Connery Lego minifigure, but uh, but alas. Mm-hmm. But I, I will uh, throw a question over to you. Do you think this means that Lego can now use James Bond in their Lego movies? Oh, my God, that'd be funny, though, wouldn't it? Think about that. Oh yeah. Oh, my God. You get, they- you get, like, a Sean Connery, like, <laughs> caricature in there, like... They should do that. They should do... They should do um, simultaneously with twenty five. They should just bring out a Lego version, and just have it be as ridiculous as possible. Like, like well, like we need a ki- we need a kid friendly James Bond. Come on, we can't just exactly. create all this stuff for adults. Well, I would. I I don't know if you're being sarcastic, but I completely agree. Because <laughs> <Like, laughs> I was I was, I was kid, being I was slightly in- sarcastic, but I do want to see a Lego James Bond in that Lego Aston Martin in Lego Movie Two. Oh my god, I would just like like if you did something. Oh my god, that would be so funny. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm thinking about it. I'm just. I mean, it, well, and and just like think about the like um, uh, who did the uh shit? Who did the Sean Connery parody on SNL? Oh, I can't remember. I know who you're talking about, though. Anyways, that's literally exactly what I'm picturing, only, like, in his James Bond. Like, that would be so funny. That would be the best Easter egg um, in that film if it were to happen. <laughs> fuck you, Trebek. Or fuck you, Trebek. <laughs> <laughs> Moo. <laughs> I love... God, that's such, such great skits. Anyways. Oh, um, but yeah, yeah, I'm really excited for it, the, though. That's the long and short of it on that one. Not, not too much to talk about, just that it exists. Yeah, and that if you have the expendable income for a basically a um, a a paperweight, go for it because I probably would <laughs> if I had the money for it because it looks pretty cool regardless yeah. of uh, the lack of minifig. But um, sure, yeah, what can you do, right? Yeah, no, 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 absolutely, absolutely. The world is a cruel and and an unlistening void. The. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, Brody, the world is not enough. That's what oh, it is. <laughs> wow, I walked right oh, into that one. That you was... walked into that one. We have to do a joke once once per show. We have to do it. Um, <laughs> anyways. We time to hit that quota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we literally are on the last segment. Um, but anyways, guys, that's going to do it for Cube Ranch. Thanks, Brody, for the topics. Uh, be sure to leave your um, thoughts and opinions on any of the topics we discussed during this segment in the comments section below, wherever you are listening or watching. Uh, and let us know whether you're going to get that Lego Aston Martin. I'd, I'd very, very curious if you guys are considering, uh, uh, y- you know, um, uh, spending that pretty penny on it. Anyways, mm-hmm. okay, so... On to our final segment, because we already had our discussion segment at the beginning of the show. Our final segment for today is Brother from Langley. I will Dude, explain this, this one. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Whoa. Um, <laughs> I, I will explain this briefly. This is where we usually discuss the um, the happenings in spy film, spy films, it, it, the genre, and all, all sorts of stuff uh, outside of James Bond. And we... You know, had a little film called Mission Impossible Fallout drop, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago or so. So we'll just briefly talk about it, go d- delve into it a little bit. I, I do want to mention we did have a lovely interview with the film's composer, Mr. Lauren Balf, um, both a spoiler and non-spoiler, where we not only yeah, discuss his right. work on Fallout, but we discuss his his many other works, his collaborations with... Um, uh, collaborations, collaborations with uh, Hans Zimmer <laughs> and, and and other composers. But regardless, it's a, it was a great discussion. I highly encourage you all to go check that out yeah, if you were do. interested in the thought process behind composing film scores. Um. So, anyways, yeah, well, Mission Impossible. Right. Well, of course. Why wouldn't? You? Um. <laughs> but anyways, uh, Brody, is this going to be a spoiler or non-spoiler discussion? I feel like we can go a little bit spoilery here. You can 100% do spoiler because you already spoiled Walker, so... <laughs> right, August Walker, which, by the way, is the p- most perfect Bond girl name in an Austin Powers film. Oh, my God, yeah, August Walker. Yeah. <laughs> that August Walker with that mustache. <laughs> oh, my Imagine God. Like, like Sean Connery, like, August Walker, your, your mustache tickles. <laughs> <laughs> tickles my lip. We have got off the rails this episode. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what to say. But let's get back to Fallout. Uh, Good Brody, and yes. uh, obviously you and I have talked a little bit about this, but just overall, what are your thoughts on the film? What have you kind of picked up on on repeat viewings uh, and such? Um. Okay, so I loved it. I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like not exactly... Like it's one of those films where like, I walked out and I, I think I like it more now than I did when I first walked out. Not that I didn't like it when I walked out, but right first. Mm-hmm. I think... It's just one of those films that's grown on me the more you watch it, which doesn't mm-hmm. always happen, which I think that's probably the highest praise you can probably give a blockbuster film. Yeah. yeah. It has um, staying power. Um, yeah, I've seen it three times now. Um, and each time I'm like, I'm sucked back into the tension. I'm sucked back into the excitement of it. And yeah. it never feels like a chore. It really does. I think the first time I watched it was probably the, the longest viewing experience it, like in terms of like how it felt. Well, probably, and that a lot of that probably had to do with just like you constantly being on edge, right? Yeah, and I think it was yeah. it was just more like not knowing where it was going, the anxiety. Yeah. Um, whereas with repeat viewings, it honestly feels like it's an hour and a half. Like, yeah, it, it flies really by, man. Doesn't feel really long, uh, but it is the longest one. Um, yeah, I, I think um, August Walker is a fantastic. Red Grant. Yes, we were having this exact conversation beforehand. He is literally Robert Shaw from uh from Russia with love, and I love it. 
It was, it was so cool. It was such a cool dynamic. I, one of my favorite things, right? We don't see too much of anymore. Um, I say this like, oh, we have so many spy films. We don't see this anymore. But um, mm-hmm. it's, I love when they have like interagency rivalry. Like I love the-, the Oh IMF yeah, that was CIA. absolutely. Yeah. Like when, yeah. Um, when uh, was it Angela Bassett walks out onto the runway and she's just got, she's just got August in tow. I'm going to call him August from now on. Um, <laughs> Please, not Walker, August. <laughs> August, yeah, got August in tow. Yeah. And- um, What's her name? Erica. Um, mm-hmm. She walks onto the uh, the runway and she shuts down the plane. I just thought all oh, that was so like ridiculously petty, and it was like, but it was great. It felt like um, it, the whole movie kind of had like like a bit of a Lacari vibe. Um, hmm. He's like he's the author of like uh, like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy that kind of thing. Oh yeah, Where yeah. It definitely had like a very um, sort of somber. Um, don't know who to trust paranoia thing going on right um well and, and more you know, so than the previous maybe other than the first film it kind of has um yeah which I really appreciated i think like the idea that um walker was very obviously antagonistic towards um hunt but you can't really tell why right. until you get to and, like and, that point and something else i really liked about that was like he the way he played it it was like he, he was very clearly from the get-go the antagonist but you didn't know whether it was an antagonist from the side of being on the cia and they're just opposed to the imf right now um and right, there is that yeah. interagency um dispute going on or whether he was genuinely working with the villains, the the like overarching villains, the syndicate. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like that, that's something I really appreciate, and it's one of those things where like I think it helps with repeat viewings because you watch it through the first time and you're sort of guessing, and then the second yeah. time you're not so much guessing because you know where it's going. It's more about like sort of appreciating the little like nods, like oh, like when they're plotting. Um, the we, we went full spoilers here. Um, when they're oh plotting, yeah, like, I mean the, the film's the, been out for like two weeks. Yeah, and if you haven't seen it now shame on you but um well that's okay we've covered a lot of the bond <laughs> stuff so i understand if you check out <laughs> yeah i mean but basically um it was you know when they're planning the heist to steal um lane yes yes and, I, that was my favorite part of the the, the dream sequence yes the dream sequence. Yeah. but right yeah. before the dream sequence when they're talking about like who lane is and yeah. um they have like a little bit where he's talking about um there's like a, they're talking about who he is and then it, they're talking about the uh the, the smallpox thing and it cuts to August and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the camera just stays on him and his reaction mm-hmm. and at first you sort of don't register you just sort of think okay it's just it's just cutting to him for a reaction to seeing how like this deception is playing right yeah uh, because they're pretending to be um, John Locke but then you watch it the second time and it's like oh it's because he's the one who did the small yep. box thing yep. <laughs> like, it's like yep. yeah and so like, you get little like things and like the music kind right. of like it's like oh this is like it's not ominous because of Lane it's ominous because they're in the room with the guy yeah and so well and the um, other thing that I love about that is he just he just starts chiming in with all this knowledge on Solomon Lane and your initial reaction is oh it's because he's CIA and they're just you know they they have that information as well. Um, yeah, yeah. But then it's, you're it's like, almost, it it's because whole, like, he's war, he's in ties like, with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, but, no. So I, I just I thought he was great. He was definitely the highlight of the film, and I love the way he dies. I think God is such a brutal death, man. I love a good villain death. I mean, I think I feel like we haven't got one in a while, and so it was nice to just see like a nice. Well, that, um, that that whole skull. like. Yeah, I mean that whole sequence <laughs> not only was incredibly reminiscent of Uncharted, which. It yes. was to yes, the fullest, but um, and if you aren't familiar with Uncharted, it's a 
video game on PlayStation, basically mature Indiana Jones. There you go. Yes. Uh, <laughs> now you're caught up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so now you're caught up. Um, but it also reminded me of just the sheer brutality of the um, the Bond and Trevelyan encounter. Didn't yeah. it? Just the way oh, yeah, he the, drops the Trevelyan on the-, on the satellite. That the same thing happens in Fallout, where, where he just like he knows that that hook is going right into his skull, and mm-hmm. he just fucking does it. Even the little like the fisticuffs beforehand before they go over the edge. Yeah, like, in the control room, and like yeah, you're right. It was very reminiscent of that. There's um, it's really weird. Like upon like my I think third rewatch of the film, I there's definitely a lot of GoldenEye vibes in that film. This, this this is the thing that I was also thinking about on my third viewing is that because um, everyone is always talking about like oh like you know Mission Impossible is doing Bond you know you know it's doing its Bond thing but like it's doing like a pastiche like a old school Bond thing right but what's weird about Fallout is that it's almost like if, if Rogue Nation is doing like a, a an old school Bond film Rogue mm-hmm. Nation is like literally um, Fallout is literally doing like a Skyfall kind of thing you know what I mean where it's, yeah. like, it's like fully yeah. going into like sort of like we're gonna delve deep into the character we're gonna do a darker tone we're gonna do and it's like it's weird how like because people keep trying to like proclaim oh Mission Impossible is leading the way and all this sort of thing but it seems to still be sort of taking notes from Bond yeah. which is really interesting yeah. um even though it didn't probably didn't need to, you probably could have done the exact same thing as Rogue Nation and had been just as successful. Well, and but, that was something that you brought up in our uh, conversation with Lorne, mm-hmm. um, and and his response to that was was great, very insightful. And it, but mm. it was just it, it was it's so true. They they had a formula that worked. People loved Rogue Nation. People loved that you know lighter, um, more traditional spy team feel to it. Um, where yeah. which which is actually more in line with Mission Impossible if you think about it, where it's a franchise that's really about the team, um, not necessarily about in like like characters in particular. And Fallout completely just changes that. It takes the characters, it really kind of delves deeper into them than we have in any other film outside of maybe three. But I would say this goes even deeper than three. Hundred percent. I think this is the first yeah. time like that I've really sort of he's for, for, like a three dimensional character. Yes, in, like, he's not. A, it's not just it's not just Tom Cruise running around. Exactly. And that's kind of like that. That's that's what I think I I've come around because originally I was like, oh, it's not as good as Rogue Nation. But the more I watch, the more I'm like, okay, I can I kind of just see Ethan as Ethan in this, and that's like yeah, the, that's the first time that sort of happened in this uh, franchise for me. So yeah, yeah, I definitely appreciated that, and I think yeah, o- overall, I just think it's got like really really interesting things going on, and I think uh-huh. um, and then oh, obviously we haven't even touched on the action, but the the the, the oh my the god, yeah, of it is quite uh, breathtaking. I think a lot of people have been talking about um, people seem to have, like I feel like this 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 goes back to film Twitter. I feel like film Twitter always fixates on like. Um, hand-to-hand combat like oh got, yeah the bathroom they, scene they got, everyone they yeah the, the bathroom scene which is a really good action scene but like, it's it's very raw and it's hard-hitting and it's very reminiscent of the beginning of casino royale which absolutely, i like absolutely yeah but yeah. I, I feel i still feel like the standout is the helicopter chase right like it, am i it, am i insane it, like is because I, I feel like no one's talking about this and it's like that's like the best scene in the movie from okay so, so here's the <laughs> thing from from a pure choreography choreographical I don't even know if that's a fucking word but I'm making it a word <laughs> from a pure choreography standpoint yes mm. the helicopter sequence is the standout of the film for me personally the two there are two standout sequences there's wow. the motorcycle sequence that transitions into the car chase where Ilse eventually starts 
chasing him down. It's basically the entire chase sequence in Paris. That yes. is a standout yeah. to me, mainly Absolutely. because of the stakes associated with it. And then plus, I love a good motorcycle chase, especially one that reminds me of Steve McQueen's chase in The Great Escape, which that one <laughs> does a lot. Um, but then the other one, man, that I, I, I think is my favorite in the entire film is the Tom Cruise running sequence. It but just, I love that too. Okay, yeah. It has I, it has such an such urgency. The stakes are are very well realized because it's after all the reveals happened. Um, mm-hmm. in, in in like Tom Cruise is like a broken man at that moment, really trying to like get back at, um, you know, catch catch Cavill before he eventually goes off. <laughs> and and I just think that the the obstacles he has to go through in order to catch him. And then when he catches up to him, eventually he has to let him go. Otherwise, he's going to kill his wife. It's just like that entire thing. I I have never been more on the edge of my seat in a Mission Impossible film than I was during that sequence. I no, yeah, I I would say that's my second favorite. I love that entire sequence. I love yeah. um, the, the little bit of comedy in it. I love. Oh, he's the, like I'm jumping out of building. <laughs> yeah, I love. That's that. great. Love, yeah. Um, I love that he's just chasing someone who's walking. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, August love, Walker is August walking. Walker is walking. Yeah, and Cruz is on cruise control. It makes <laughs> sense. But um, <laughs> but um, holy shit! I, I love the climax of it. I love like that. That love the really running. I think what my favorite, the, my favorite, like two minutes of the whole film. Well, maybe maybe like five minutes. We'll say is uh-huh. from running into the tape jumping on the, the um, elevator, talking with him, and then mm-hmm. being stranded on the roof. I think that's yep. pitch perfect. Yep. One of my favorite moments. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. And the music, 100%, is a big reason for that. Oh, it's but, um, excellent. Yeah, I mean... The, plug. <laughs> I, I mean, I know, I know we keep plugging this, but like at the same time, like even if we didn't have that interview, we'd still be gushing over this score because oh, 100%, it's... Yeah. It's so unique. It completely changes what you expect when you think of a Mission Impossible. Uh, when you think of a Mission Impossible score, there there's been surprisingly a fair amount of criticism of it, but I I, I don't agree with a lot of it. Um, and I mean, there's always going to be when there's something like that. Like right, when just... you go, when you have something that deviates from the classic, you know, mm-hmm. uh, big brass feel of like a spy score, um, especially Mission Impossible or James Bond. When you have something that deviates from that, you're definitely going to, you know, get some criticism. But I, uh, I I just think it, it completely immersed you in the film. It enhanced those key moments. And uh, I, I think especially during that dream sequence, um, where mm-hmm. Cruz is, is is basically killing innocent people, I think a huge reason why that scene works is because it's all score and it's all this beautiful yeah. like piano medley and stuff like that. But um, anyways, it's a little bit of a deep dive in the <laughs> film scores, <laughs> as though we haven't done enough of that already. Oh, I know, I know. Um, that's our that's our <laughs> side passion, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and no, no, if you didn't if you didn't catch the plug at first, plug, plug, plug. Um, go absolutely yeah yeah but sure. um and also the score itself but obviously but um yeah i know i i, I just even the and like, there's so much so so quickly too is the thing because you've got like you've got the um the opening scenes I, I'm not so much a set piece as it is like just sort of a cool <clears> review <throat> i love that wolf blitzer cameo I oh think that's, that's great yeah hilarious one of the best cameos i've ever seen in my life yeah um and now he's been in a bond film and in a Mission Impossible films. So yeah, there you go. He's kind of you know wrapped up the spy genre. Yeah, maybe he'll be the next one. I mean, it's it's down to Cavill and and Blitzer. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
<laughs> with oh a name like god. that, it's got to go to Blitzer. Wolf oh my Blitzer god, are you kidding me? Wolf Blitzer is that's the a, next James that's a Bond. Name. That's better than August Walker. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already established this. August Walker is the parody name. That's true. That's like a porn parody name. Jesus. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So then you got like the opening scene, which has this cool little setup, and then you have the freefall scene, which is incredible. Um, in like one take. Yeah, that Halo jump was cool. unreal. The Halo yeah. jump, yeah. And then you have uh, the, the 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 fight scene in the bathroom, and then you have like the thirty minute long Paris sequence, and then you have mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just like relentless. You, you never it's really it's a it. no, it's a non stop thrill ride from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where you don't feel like breathless. It's not like a um, no. It's and not it, like there are int- little moments. Yes, interestingly enough, that's where it differs from, say, Mad Max Fury Road, which is literally a (laughs) non-stop adrenaline rush, which there are places for that. That's one of the reasons why Fury Road is one of the greatest action movies of all time, is because of not only the way the action is practical and the way it's staged and the intensity of that film, but there really has never been anything like that, just a constant driving force. I mean, my God, the whole film is a giant road chase, so it kind of makes sense why it has that driving intensity. But this film right, exactly. has that intensity, but then it also takes time for some of the more, um, you, you know, espionage elements, the character moments, the, you know, you know uh, interagency um, disputes and stuff like that. And I, I think that's where people aren't quite getting that it's actually quite different while it's up to par in terms of action it's such a different film that i don't even want to compare the two 100 percent, i would agree with that yeah completely so uh to close out this little discussion going a little bit over here but anyways um didn't mean it's just it's a film we could gush about all day it really is and it's (laughs) one of the reasons why we love this spy genre so much um so anyways to close out the film brody uh what's your score out of 10 what would you give mission impossible fallout out of 10 oh that's hard um let's give it a nine yeah i am i don't know if i'm gonna push you or if i'm gonna go a half a point up Oh <laughs> man, it's so it's so close though. It, it really is one of the best action spy films I've ever seen. I'll I'll, I'll um I'll push you for right now. I'll go nine as well. I think that's nice. a fair score. Um, but yeah, I'll, absolutely, guys. I mean, if you haven't seen the film, well, we just ruined the whole thing for you. But uh, be sure to let <laughs> us know your thoughts on Mission Impossible Fallout in the comment section of wherever you are listening to this to show. Fair, that first spoiler was the first warning. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and you know, if you stayed around and listened to this, then. You know, hopefully you've seen the film. <laughs> um, it is kind of a shame that we didn't do an episode in June because I would have liked to have touched on um, Incredibles two a little bit, but that uh, uh, yes definitely has some Bond influence. Maybe that'll be a, a special episode where we kind of do a deep dive. Into I mean, we can come back that. to it. I mean, it'll be out on Blu-ray eventually. And- Absolutely. I think that's that'll be the perfect opportunity for that. But anyways, guys, that's our show. I think we went a little longer, but you know what? We haven't done one in a while, so hopefully you got your money's worth, exactly. which is zero dollars. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, as always, guys, if you like this video, be sure to like it, share it with your friends. Um, if, if you aren't... If you aren't subscribed already, be sure to subscribe to our uh, podcast feed on iTunes. Leave us a rating and a review. It really, really helps us out. Helps us get the uh, get the show noticed. Um, I know we say this every time. We're going to try and do more regular episodes, but it's just you know timing and not enough stories. So I think we've come up with a workaround. We're going to start doing. Um, 
special episodes in a way. Not necessarily talking about the films, not necessarily talking about the news, just topics that pertain to Bond, per se. Mm-hmm. And that'll be a nice... um you know, filler episode for when we get that huge rush of of news and trending topics. So that's something that we're going to toy around with and really start to um, develop more as the, um, as the, you know, going forward and, and stuff like that. But anyways, yeah. Uh, so so be sure to subscribe to that podcast feed so you're on top of everything. And Mr. Brody Saravelli, thank you for joining me. As always, where can everyone find you? Oh, of course. Uh, you people can meet me. Meet me. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> you can find me <laughs> on um, on Twitter, uh, engaging in the film discourse. Uh, mm-hmm. That is film Twitter at Brody Cervelli. Uh, there'll be a link, so don't worry about the spelling. Yep. Um, yep. Everything's in the the description. Yeah, that's, that's that's where you'll find me. I'm, I'm on there so much. It's like absurd. <laughs> you know what I think we're gonna have you. We're gonna have you do. We're not only gonna give you your own personal Twitter account, but maybe just maybe we'll make a words or not enough Twitter account, and then you can run that. Oh, there you go. Oh, that fun. Then it's bond. <laughs> all, all, be, all bond all the time. This is gonna be shit posting. Yep. <laughs> it's gonna be great. So keep an eye out for that. And as always, guys, if you like me specifically and you like what I have to say, you can always give me a follow on Twitter at Griff Schiller. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode, episode number sixteen of the Words Are Not Enough. And until next time, take care. <laughs>Jimmy Lauer here, general manager of the all-new R-Town Ford. I'm Kenny the car man. R-Town Ford announces the 4th of July sales event. So come see us at the all-new R-Town Ford on Liberty Road in Randallstown. And at rtownford.com. It's my town. It's your town. It's It's R-Town Ford.